chaos on Miami's downtown streets. We're trying to keep the focus. We're trying to have a peaceful protest. Demonstrators hurl rocks and bottles, set police cars on fire. We need to change as people, black lives matter. I-95 comes to a standstill. Looters ransack businesses. Police in riot gear fire tear gas and rubber bullets. This is precisely the type of lawlessness that is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Dozens arrested. And until we all decide as a community to come together and dialogue and address the issues, nothing's going to change. Good morning. Glad you could join us for a special edition of This Week in South Florida. I'm Michael Putney. I'm Glenna Milberg. As we come on the air today, crews are clearing away the damage done in last night's protests and giving fresh attention to the hurt and the pain behind them. Miami felt firsthand the anger over the death of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis, and many here also were showing their pain and anger over longstanding unequal treatment, limited opportunities and jobs and housing, and most especially in their dealings with police. And like Floyd's death, a recent spate of just such events were documented on video, viral on social media, in full view for the public, the fuel for demands for change. Saturday's protests were part of that. They began passionately and peacefully, and because of a relative few, devolved into chaos and violence. Local 10 Sinella Savovic joins us in Miami to start us off. Sinella, good morning. Good morning to you, Glenna and Michael. It's been quiet all morning long here in front of Miami Police Headquarters in downtown Miami. In fact, the officers that had full-on riot gear left the gate here. They were guarding it all night long. They left at around 8 this morning. And it was a very peaceful protest when it began. Things took a turn for the worse around 7.30 last night, forcing Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez to issue a curfew. Sanitation crews cleaning up the remnants of Saturday night's protests. The last of the Miami police cruisers that was charred overnight is about to get towed. You can see the word justice written across it, burned beyond recognition. It began as a peaceful protest Saturday afternoon at the Torch of Friendship in downtown Miami. Protesters marching and chanting throughout the streets. We are not the problem. Okay, we're trying to find a solution. Disruptive at times when demonstrators marched on I-95, traffic gridlocked. At nightfall, things took a turn for the worse. Miami represent peacefully. Boy, was I wrong. Michael Flannery lives right by the Miami Police Department and says he watched the unrest unfold. No one threw water bottles until they unleashed that tear gas. And they just reacted. And it was ugly. Officers in riot gear used tear gas to control the crowds, firing rubber bullets in the process. Miami police cruisers were set on fire and those that weren't charred were vandalized. SWAT teams rolled in as Miami police officers created a human shield blocking the entrance to their headquarters. Looters seen on Sky 10 at Bayside Marketplace utter chaos until police arrived at the scene. A chain of destructive events forced Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez to impose a curfew. I wholeheartedly support peaceful protest, 100%. Once they get into lawlessness, there is zero tolerance. Zero tolerance, he says, and Miami-Dade police say that 57 people were arrested overnight, mostly for curfew violations, and only a handful of those detained were from out of town. That's the latest here from downtown Miami. Sonella Sabovic, Local 10 News.
Sanala, thank you. All right, the focal point of the protesters' fury last night was the Miami Police Department, not because of anything the Miami PD has done lately, but because their headquarters building just off I-95 was a handy target and a big symbol of police power. In fact, Miami's police chief was one of the first to publicly step up and forcefully condemn the actions of the officer in Minneapolis. Chief Kalina, George Kalina joins us now by way of Skype. Chief, good morning. So great to have you. We so appreciate your time. I know it's been a busy 12 hours, a press <laughs> conference coming up in a little while. But um, I, I want to start really with what happened right after the George Floyd incident when you took it upon yourself to really be very public. And what you said was in that videotape, you said there is no officer in America trained to do what you saw this officer do. I'm paraphrasing your words. Uh, that was a pretty remarkable statement. And I wonder if you can begin there and, and take us through what prompted you to do that. Well, I, I think that honestly, it's abundantly obvious what's happening in that video. And I think that we've been too careful for too long in law enforcement. It's uncomfortable to come out and criticize something that happened somewhere else. And we recognize that something can happen here. And we certainly don't want to be criticized from someone who's not here. And I understand all of that. And and by the way, I'm, I'm someone who is very careful to not come out and speak uh, really without having all the facts. But there's enough video I mean, you can see what's happening and the level of callousness and the lack of humanity that is occurring is abundantly obvious and, and it needs to be called for what it is. And you did indeed do that. Uh, Chief, uh, sort of let's get your after action report uh, after what happened last night. I happen to think your force, your officers, particularly those who were stationed outside the west side at the Sally Port of your headquarters building, I thought they showed great restraint. People were shouting, spitting on them, throwing bottles of water. They didn't move, they didn't take action, and in the end, nobody breached the line and got into the building. You must feel pretty good about that. I feel incredibly proud, uh, Michael, of those officers for a couple of reasons. One, uh, because of the restraint that they showed and how professional they were. And two, that's a young group of officers. And we, we had some senior officers that were there, but the majority are very young. And quite frankly, the fact that they stood tall, shoulder to shoulder, didn't break ranks, didn't panic. It wasn't just water bottles. We had an officer that was hit with a substantial sized rock that broke her hand. She will need surgery. Uh, there were boulders that were thrown, and it ultimately got to the point, obviously, where we had to deploy gas and have them disperse. But uh, the level of restraint and professionalism that they showed, uh, I, I just can't express how grateful I am and how proud I am of the way that they responded. Chief, I want to rewind a few hours from that. Uh, I will tell you, I was at the protest with my family yesterday, um, and we really noticed the police presence there were bike patrol with uh, no masks, uh, COVID-19 masks, I will say, no riot gear, very peaceful, largely running traffic so that the very peaceful protesters marching and chanting could get through intersections safely. And then watched it turn ugly in the evening, really prompted by a few people who now we're understanding may not even be part of this community, and that's something we'll talk about later. But I wonder if you could speak to this balance of what you and your 
men and women have to do in keeping the peace constitutionally, allowing freedom of speech, balancing with protection of these protesters, and then an appropriate police response to violence and crime, and adding, adding even another layer, violence and crime directed and focused at your police officers. What is that balance of power like to handle? It's, it's complicated and uh, it's very delicate is probably the better word because what I want all the officers to understand and, and they do is that it is our job to protect these rights. These are some of the most basic rights that we have as a republic and we should cherish them. And if you want to express yourself peacefully and assemble and, and voice, exercise your First Amendment right and speak about how angry you are about anything, that's what makes this country great, and we should embrace that. Yeah. You know, to Chief, be able to, go I, ahead, Mike. I, I beg your pardon. I was just going to say, finding that right balance is just so hard. We, we understand that, particularly when tempers are raised and voices are raised as they were last night. And out there on I-95, though, I, I did want to ask you, uh, your officers of three or four cars one high patrol, highway patrol trooper showed up there at the exit to uh, Northwest 2nd. And uh, as they stood there outside their cars, some demonstrators came up with spray paint. They tagged the cars with some vulgarities. Uh, one police car window uh, was broken. And yet the officers who were outnumbered, but they stood back. They didn't do anything. Was that under your command? Was that your direction? The direction was to remain as restrained as possible. Uh, we're putting more value on the safety of the officers at that particular moment because they were exposed up on I-95. Um, we didn't want them trapped there. The idea was hopefully to be able to expedite uh, the removing of cars from the expressway so no one would get hit or people in a car would panic. So that was the idea. Um, Obviously, we're not inviting anyone to come try to damage any of our vehicles. Um, you know, we tried our best, Michael. Um, unfortunately, now we'll have to have a curfew at 8 o'clock tonight. Right. And, and if anyone tries to raise a hand, throw a rock or a bottle, you know, the order will come far more quickly because, unfortunately, the good protesters aren't separating themselves from the agitators. And if you don't do that, you don't give us a choice but to have to deploy gas, give the order to disperse, and make right. arrest. Yeah, you did lose 17 police vehicles last night. They were burned or vandalized, is that right? 17 vehicles were damaged. Some, you know, whether it was a punctured tire, for example, minimal to others, of course, the far more serious uh, two or three vehicles that were burned. Chief, uh, I'm going to ask you to sit tight for a couple of minutes. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, you mentioned that you had a lot of young officers out there, and a lot of those young officers may or may not know the history of Miami and police relations, and that is an undercurrent of what happened last yeah. night. We'll talk all about that when we come right back. Stay with us.
country in turmoil and violence hits home. And it does appear to be tear gas. I can confirm it is because I feel it. Local 10 News, here for our community. I want to show you an up-close look at the car that was heavily vandalized. Documenting the chaos, making a call for calm. No justice, no peace. We've heard profanity. As this story unfolds, stay with Local 10 News. The number of people that have come out to show their support. We all call South Florida home, and we will be here together. Trust the experience of the one and only Local 10 News. We are back with Miami Police Chief George Colino with us this morning. Chief, uh, we talked a little bit, mentioned Miami's history in our last segment. Uh, last night's protest happened in a grand context of decades of police relations with the black community that have gotten ugly and difficult. Uh, a lot of talk about the McDuffie riots 40 years ago, but there have been since then at least three more pretty significant riots, all stemming from uh, pain and hopelessness and dysfunction and a history of broken relationship between the black community and Miami law enforcement so much that there had been federal oversight. You inherited a lot of this when you took the reins of Miami PD. And I wonder if you could speak to that context and whether you think last night's actions will move any needle. I, I don't think it depends what you mean by last night's action. If, if you're referring to uh, the violence that occurred, uh, the the lawlessness element of it. No, and, that, and that doesn't. And the very peaceful protesting and the message and the work that, that people are doing. That that part does, and and that's the part that's a little deflating, Glenna. Is that, you know, over the last several years we've made such in, incredible progress, and and it is uh, deflating to see some of the hostility towards the officers. I, I've sent another message to them to not take any of this personal. Um, we have a history here and we have to own it. And that's just the truth. Uh, but, you know, for someone to want to create chaos and, and essentially spread hate, that, that doesn't help the situation. That's not about George Floyd. Yeah. That's about people that, that just want to create a further divide between us. And we honestly, we shouldn't allow it. If I, if I could just... Um, and we shouldn't allow it either. Of course. And let me just follow up on that question, because I guess in, in a larger context, what I'm saying is we collectively, we have seen this over and over, and it's, it keeps happening, and it's happening now. And do you think there will be progress going forward that we can look at a community and its supporters that are just fed up and ready to do what it takes to stop the killing and stop the madness. Are we at a point, do you think, where it's time to move the needle? I think we are. And, and what's lost a little bit uh, uh, because of the incredible amount of protests, and, I, and like I said, I understand a lot of the anger. But what's lost, Glenna, and what gives me a, a glimmer of hope is quite frankly, I've never seen this many law enforcement professionals speak out the way that they have. I've seen unions that have come out and, and said how disgusted they are by what they've seen. I've never experienced that. And so is there hope? I, I believe there is. Yeah. Uh, Chief, in fact, let me speak to one particular thing, which is your policy on use of force. I think you and chiefs across the country have been saying that the knee hold, the way that Officer Derek Chauvin had his knee on the neck of George Floyd is not an acceptable approved technique for subduing a suspect in a, in a crime. Is that, is that your policy at, your, at the Miami PD? 
That is our policy. We don't allow any sort of neck restraint, pressure on the neck, the throat, etc., unless uh, you are prepared to explain why you needed to use lethal force. So a technique like that and firing your weapon is the same to us. Uh, if it's a small department somewhere, they can go to IACP for guidelines. You know, these are best practices. That is not a proper technique because of what happened. We know that yeah. that can happen, and we know it's happened in the past. Yeah. You know, Chief, um, it's been pointed out before. Let me do it again. The fact that this officer in Minneapolis is has his left hand in his trouser pocket is kind of looking away while this man is gasping for air and saying, I can't breathe, that only underscores the, the absolutely despicable nature of what happened. What did you think when you saw that? Well, that's what I referred to, Michael, right when I saw it, that's abundantly obvious. There is no rationalizing that. There is no, well, what's the criminal history? None of that matters. That, that's the part of the inhumanity that I was referring to, to the callousness very difficult to watch, more difficult even understanding what's going to happen, because I saw that video and I thought, this is setting us back as a profession decades. And, and that part is heartbreaking. Somebody loses their life, our country slips into chaos, we're already economically distressed. I, I mean, I saw so many things when I saw that video cross my mind, it was just terrible. Chief George Colino, we value your time and expertise and perspective. Thanks so much. We will see you later at the press conference and carry that live right here on Local 10. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, guys. And next, Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez, who called for that curfew last night. He joins us next. Protesters who flooded downtown Miami, they chanted and waved signs and marched, demanded attention and demanded justice. But there were some others who had mischief in mind, opportunists who saw unprotected stores as easy pickings. They broke in, they looted and they vandalized. Trent Kelly is live in downtown Miami with that part of the story. Trent. Yeah, Michael, we are standing in front of one of those businesses that was hit overnight. You can see these looters not only targeting the front of this store, but look at this. Once they made their way inside, they completely ransacked the entire place, clearing out this store. A major blow for a business that was already struggling prior to this weekend. We arrived over here uh, earlier about 8 o'clock, and uh, we, we find this sad bad surprise a new reality for business owner fernando jimenez his designer sunglasses shop on southeast third avenue one of a handful of businesses in downtown miami to be targeted by looters overnight windows uh, glasses broken you know showcases broken inside they, whatever they want to do you know because there was no security over here his shop which has been in the same spot since 1983 now on the verge of shutting down for good he says he had just reopened the place a few days ago after he was forced to shut down due to covid 19. this latest incident could be the final blow all the merchandise they took you know all the sunglasses you know expensive stuff in there you know like ray-bans you know designer names and they took everything 
Videos like this showing similar scenes playing out overnight with looters caught breaking into this nearby jewelry store after sunset. A much smaller group than what was seen earlier in the day when protests largely remained peaceful. On the Miami-Dade College Wolfson campus, we found shattered windows at the business school. Nearby vending machines also destroyed. A single spent tear gas canister sitting eerily nearby. The damage also spreading to Bayside Marketplace where another group appeared to storm the shops, looting stores and businesses before eventually taking off. A site so many of these already struggling business owners were hoping would spare South Florida. You know, in this bad season that we're having, you know, pandemia, I mean, this is terrible. Yeah, and that shop owner, like so many others, now trying to figure out where to go from here and whether it's even worth it to reopen up their shops at all. That's the very latest live from downtown Miami. Michael Glenna, back over to you. Trent, thanks very much. In light of the violence, the law breaking, the damage last night, uh, Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez called a curfew. The arrest uh, began in earnest. I should say the curfew began in earnest at 10 o'clock last night. And, and with that curfew, the arrests really did begin. The mayor with us now via Skype from Coconut Grove. As you see, Mayor, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. The, uh, the arrest last night, uh, we are now being told 57 arrests, and most of those uh, coming from a violating curfew-type charge. Uh, obviously, the curfew you called was a tool to do this kind of thing, and you called it countywide when this was a very specific geographical area. Can you explain why you did this kind of call? Well, because we didn't want them to uh, jump from one one curfew area to a non-curfew area. And so we thought it was best uh, to do it countywide. We're going to do it again tonight. Uh, uh, probably scale it back to about 9 o'clock uh, again uh, to uh, an, an abundance of caution. Uh, everything's quiet right now. But, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, Miami-Dade County is safe. You know, my job is to, is to protect the health and welfare of the 2.8 million residents they call Miami-Dade County home. Um, and so on top of that, we're also going to be delaying the opening of the beaches tomorrow because a lot of the, the, the same officers that were on duty yesterday and probably be on duty today are there. We're supposed to be there tomorrow to make sure that we practice social distancing and enforce the rules about opening the beaches. And I have to say one thing, that I am extremely proud of the work of the Miami-Dade Police Department. Uh, I thought they were extraordinary. Um, they uh, they went in to help the uh, the city of Miami Police Department. Uh, we were the ones that uh, they went to Bayside. They protected the 111 building. Uh, they protected fire crews. Uh, I thought they did a, a fabulous job, and uh, and I couldn't be prouder of them. Yeah, uh, Mayor Jimenez, uh, let me just follow up on something you just said. You are delaying the opening of beaches in Miami Dade for at least one day, or how long is it going to be? Yeah, one day. Uh, I think well, we want to see what happens today, and if everything is is calm today, then we can take a respite for tomorrow. I mean, and then, and then hopefully open up on Tuesday. Uh, but it really all depends on what happens today, what happens tonight. Uh, and uh, my hope is, uh, and I believe that uh, today and tonight will be calm and peaceful. Uh, I also have to give uh, kudos out to the the members of the community that uh, we've developed really close relationships with, um, and they've helped us. Throughout, uh, throughout this time. We have made tremendous strides uh, with the Miami-Dade Police Department uh, in uh, community policing and the way that we police uh, Miami-Dade as, uh, as a whole. 
we were a pioneer in putting uh, cameras on on officers. You know, way before that started that process before Ferguson. And so I'm really proud of the way that uh, you know our department is um, is viewed. You know, as uh, one of the finest uh, departments in the world. And I'm really proud of what they did last night. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, uh, let's sort of get a bigger picture here, trying to look at what happened over the last 24 hours. Miami-Dade County made it through the night. It was a good thing you declared the curfew. The police showed great restraint. No, well, there was one, the one Miami police officer who had a hand injury, but nobody was killed. There was some vandalism, but, you know, overall, as bad as some things were, could have been a lot worse. No, that's right. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm very proud of our police agencies. I thought the city of Miami did a fine job, I th but I also think that uh, Miami-Dade did a fine job, uh, a great job, actually. And so they showed restraint, um, and none of our vehicles uh, were damaged, none of our police officers uh, were hurt. And I'm sorry that uh, one, one individual from the city of Miami is hurt and, and will require surgery on the hand from what I understand. But, um, you know, when you compare us to what, what's happened to other major cities around the United States, uh, I, you know, I think we, we came out, uh, you know, really well. And it's, and it's not by accident. Uh, there, we, we wanted to show restraint. We, we want to protect everybody's right to protest. And that is a fundamental American right. We agree with the, the, how, how grievous and, and outrageous uh, the action of that officer in Minneapolis was. That's not representative of police as a whole. And certainly, you know, some, the action of, of some uh, rogue officer in Minneapolis, you know, shouldn't have consequences here in Miami after we've made, you know, so, so many great strides here in our community relations. Now, that being said, we still have a long way to go. And we will continue in this uh, in this uh, endeavor uh, to we you know um, we, we make sure that you know, everybody is treated with dignity and that uh, and that the residents of Miami Miami Dade uh, feel and and can see that uh, the policing here is done the right way and uh, and the fair way, which I think you know uh, we're making great strides to do, and I think that we do for the most part. Mayor, you put out a tweet last night that I saw. You said uh, zero, there will be zero tolerance for lawlessness. And I wonder what you see as the difference between what we might call civil disobedience, which frankly has long been a force for necessary change in, in this country. So what do you see as a difference between civil disobedience and lawlessness? Well, lawlessness is what we saw yesterday. You start torching cars, that's lawlessness. When you start going into, into stores to loot it, that's lawlessness. That's not civil disobedience. You're just there to grab some sunglasses or jewelry or, or shirts or TVs or something. That's, that's just an excuse. You know, civil disobedience is something else. You sit on the, on the, uh, on the ground. You know, you stand your ground. You, you don't, uh, you want to block traffic. Okay, that's civil disobedience. Um, lawlessness is something else. Again, it's uh, for your benefit to put money in your pocket, put some uh, articles, you know, rob, rob things. That's lawlessness. Set things on fires, you know, set buildings on fire, ru ruin people's lives. Uh, that's lawlessness, and that's something we're not going to tolerate. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mayor, in the course of all the things that unfolded yesterday, a couple of times you, and I think Mayor Suarez of Miami, uh, mentioned the fact that there were some outside agitators who were there, who were leading some of the more militant and potentially violent moments. Uh, 
who were the outside agitators? Well, we have some ideas that, uh, you know, they may be uh, affiliated with Antifa and maybe some other radical groups that are anarchists. And they take advantage of situations like this uh, around the country, and then they, they spread out. And uh, they're well-trained. Uh, they're pretty intelligent. We may not have caught them. As a matter of fact, I doubt we caught them because that's, you know, they're professionals at this thing. And so they go, they go from city to city agitating, trying to, uh, trying to initi uh, you know, initiate some kind of confrontation with, uh, with the police. And so that's why I thought yesterday there was a lot of restraint uh, that was uh, shown by uh, our police officers. And, uh, and I have to commend them for that. You know, it's not easy to sit you know, in, a, in a line uh, stoically and then take insults and waters and, and being spat at. Um, that, that, uh, that's difficult to do. And, uh, and so I think that uh, we showed a lot of restraint. All the police agencies showed a lot of restraint. Look, the police, the police isn't, isn't disagreeing, okay? Our police, uh, police uh, you know, the Miami-Dade Police Department, our director, uh, city of Miami police direct, uh, uh, chief, I know, just spoke. You know, what we saw in Minneapolis, that is not what policing is about. That is not what we are about. That's not what they are about. You know, the police officers in, in, in that, that in the Miami-Dade Police Department and, and the other municipal police departments, there, you know, they're our neighbors. You know, their kids go to school with our kids and our grandkids. And, um, and so, uh, and again, there has been tremendous strides made here because, you know, the, the, we had lessons here. We went through some rough times here. In this community, I recall 40 years ago, when I was uh, with the city of Miami, I was with the city of Miami Fire Department, but I also was a SWAT medic with a police department, and I remember the McDuffie, you know, you know, riots, and I remembered, you know, that uh, you know our town was was burning. Yeah, and, I was, uh, I was, yeah. I was out on the streets 40 yeah. years as well as a reporter then for the Miami Herald, and you know, last night was nothing like what happened 40 years ago. No, but I but I made a pledge that if I ever got into position, you know, that I could affect something like that, that we would never be, we would never get to that again. Now, one thing we did have to do, we had to make strides with, uh, with the neighborhood. We have to lift up uh, our neighbors. We're all Miamians. Uh, we need to stick together. We either, we rise together or we go down together. And, uh, and I know we still have a long way to go, but I think we've made tremendous strides. And I know our police departments have made uh, tremendous strides since those days, those horrible, horrible days back, you know, in the 80s when there was a lot of police abuse here. There was, uh, you know, there were people getting shot not uh, unnecessarily. There was injustice. Uh, again, I'm not saying that there's never going to be injustice, but we're making great strides to to overcome it. And uh, as a nation, we need to do that. As a community, we need to do and go further, but I do believe we've come a long way. And so, you know, that left a, a, a last, lasting impression on me 40 years ago. I still have it burned in my memory. I will never forget it. And I will never want to see, you know, our town, you know, my town, your town, go through that again. And, Yes. We we uh, we you are speaking to that choir, and we appreciate your time <laughs> today. And we will uh, we will check in later in the day as the news develops this afternoon. Okay. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it, Mr. Thank Mayor. You're right. Thanks. Let's all rise up together. Coming up, we're going to speak with the chair of Miami-Dade County's Black Affairs Advisory Board, a friend to this program, Stephen Johnson. Stay tuned. The protesters we saw yesterday afternoon, last night, were black, white, Hispanic, young, middle-aged, old. But they were all united by 
injustice and the death of George Floyd. And united in demanding change in systemic racism and institutional baked-in inequality. Someone who every day works to change that is Stephen Johnson, chair of Miami-Dade's Black Affairs Advisory Board. Stephen, great to see you this morning. Father, father of twins, I bet you were up all night. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was up all night with the twins, but we were up all night watching America burn. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, uh, we're glad to be able to have your expertise and insight this morning. Just sort of give us a big picture reaction to what you saw in our city last night. Uh, it began peacefully. A thousand people maybe marching to show their disgust with the uh, murder, I think that's the word, of George Floyd, uh, at least until it turned sort of violent. Uh, what, what was the message? I mean, that was a positive message, was it not? We will not tolerate injustice. So it, it, the, this particular set of protests is a little bit bigger than George Floyd. George Floyd was merely the match that lit a long fuse that had been building up over a long period of time. We've also had Ahmaud Aubrey. We've also had uh, uh, Breonna Taylor. And we've also had microaggressions like what Christian Cooper experienced in Central Park. It is a culmination of a, a feeling that the police in uh, America are used against us, against black people in general. It's a feeling that black people have been over-policed. And the fact that you had white, black, Hispanic marching together means not only that everyone recognizes that this is a problem that black America faces, but I think America needs to wake up and realize that over-policing is a problem that their children are facing. And Stephen, you know how we know that is because in all of those instances that you mentioned, besides uh, Armand Arbery, and um, you mentioned you didn't mention Eric Garner, or what other we have. I have a whole list in front of me of African Americans who we, suffered at the fighting. hands of police, but it was on videotape. So begs the question: If we are now watching on videotape and social media takes that uh, virally, what on earth happens? when there is no video rolling. And that is a question I think that everyone really needs to confront and an example of what we know and what we don't know is going on. We've been watching this since Rodney King and Rodney King was only beaten. It's just that we were confronted with a nine minute murder most recently. And if we're having the same discussions that we were supposed to have resolved in the 90s and we were supposed to have resolved in the 80s and we were supposed to have resolved in the 60s, we're having the same discussions. We're having the same fights. My people are asking for the same thing we've been asking for since Martin Luther King was nonviolently marching. It's the same thing over and over again. The frustrations haven't changed. The faces have. It's so still the young people agitating. Yeah. And so when you hear the police chief or the mayor talking about taking what happened and learning from it and changing policy and changing the culture in, in the police department, at least locally, how do you respond to that? I, I, I heard him say that, well, we're a lot better than the 80s. And that's unacceptable. 
The fact that he would say, well, it, it's gotten better, belies the fact that just not too, in the too distant past, the city of Miami had shot eight black people in a row while you had a mayor calling for uh, uh, violence to be met with violence. Yeah, this well, there was... Let me just point out, and you're absolutely right, the city of Miami Police Department entered into a consent degree with the Department of Justice because there had been over a period of 18 months, I think, eight or nine black men who had been shot by Miami police officers. But that, that really, that ended about four, what, four or five years ago, and the department under this new leadership, uh, I think, has made some improvements. Oh, Chief Kalina has, has certainly been, uh, is to be commended for what he's doing, but to, to act as though everything could be a lot worse belies the problem that we're not there yet. It's the fact that those children weren't just uh, uh, protesting the death of blacks in, in police custody. They're protesting the fact that they're being asked to get out of their car for a broken taillight. They're protesting the fact that sometimes they're, they're jammed up against walls and against cars. They're protesting the fact that we just had a doctor who merely was, was testing people for COVID in Overtown be put in handcuffs uh, to be questioned in the middle of, of a pandemic that he was trying to help. And to your if point, we were... watched a CNN crew being arrested uh, when only one taken into custody at the beginning was an African-American member of that CNN crew with cameras rolling from start to finish. To say that black people are not being policed different is to close your eyes to America, is to close your eyes to what's happening right in front of you. As, as has been said repeatedly, We've been protesting nonviolently this whole time, and no one's listening. Now, all of a sudden, there, there are a few police cars that are burned, and everybody wants to know what to do. Well, we, we, we've been trying to tell you what to do for, at this point, decades. It, it's time to do it. It's time to make changes. Listen, what happened in Minnesota, you had a police officer who committed a murder on Monday, was fired on Tuesday, and was indicted on Friday. And we need to ask ourselves, can that happen here in Florida with the state of our laws? And I would submit to you that it cannot. And we need to change that. You know, that, to your point, that's a, a very interesting subject because to change that would require a vote. In Tallahassee, it would require the state representatives, who many of whom, and the state senators, many of whom are seeking our votes right now, to stand up and say, I want to be able to bring justice where necessary. Exactly. Right so, so, the, so the vote has to be the people going to the ballot box and voting. Historically, that's, that's, those are not huge statistics. So how important is it in this message for people protesting and demanding justice to make voting a big part of that action? Listen. Demanding change without taking the necessary steps to get there is merely wishful thinking. It is, it is incumbent upon everyone, everyone who was marching, they've got to vote. Everyone who was watching on home, they, at home, they've got to vote. The thing that we need to do, but it's more than vote, I need to ask these people, where, where do you stand on making these necessary changes? Where do you stand on standing up and speaking up for us? I watch as politically 
the, the question becomes, where are these outside agitators from? That's actively ignoring what we're asking for. We're asking for fairness. We're asking for justice. We're asking for the same thing that the Constitution provides to all people. Yet and still, we still stand outside asking for these things that the Founding Fathers uh, had a revolution for. Stephen Johnson, chair of the Miami-Dade County Black Affairs Advisory Board, attorney at Lidecker Diaz, and friend of This Week in South Florida. Stephen, great to be able to speak with you. Thank you for having me this morning. Thanks again. Up next, we'll speak with Miami's mayor, Francis Suarez. Stay tuned. And joining us now on the special edition of This Week in South Florida, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. Mr. Mayor, good afternoon. So glad you could join us. Well, your city is a little scorched in places, but basically came through this night all right. Mac, thanks in really large part to the restraint and the good judgment of the Miami Police Department. I'm sure you are proud of them. I'm extremely proud of them, Michael and Glenna. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I was there uh, throughout the entire night. I actually met with the protesters at about 3 in the afternoon, like you just said. Uh, they were very uh, peaceful, about a thousand protesters. We uh, uh, basically uh, escorted them throughout downtown as they marched for several hours. Uh, unfortunately, as it got into the night, uh, a small group of the protesters who seemed like they were there specifically uh, to damage property because they had book bags and they brought uh, things with them to spray paint cars and light cars on fire. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, th that happened and, and certainly uh, we had very, very little arrest. We had almost no physical, I don't think we had many physical confrontations between the protesters and the police, which is very different from what happened in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, uh, obviously Minneapolis. Uh, so I am very proud of, 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 our, of our leadership. You know, when I was a commissioner um, and, you know, Steve Johnson, who was on before as a good friend, uh, you know, I had to fire the police chief uh, for those pattern and practices. And I cast a deciding vote to fire a police chief. Um, who had put into place uh, patterns and practices that led to the death of eight African-Americans. Uh, as a commissioner, I fully funded our civilian investigative panel to give uh, civilians an opportunity to give oversight, provide oversight to our police department. Um, and then I brought uh, Chief Colina, who I think has been fantastic. So we have made uh, reforms uh, since the 1980s, and we will uh, continue to do that, uh, listening to those uh, who rightfully uh, have been oppressed and have been mistreated over the years. Mayor, we, uh, as we're speaking, we're getting arrest reports in. Uh, to your point, there have been arrests of people from Minnesota, Michigan, and New York, according to the arrest forms. Uh, I hope that you were able to listen to our last segment with Stephen Johnson from the Black Affairs Advisory Board of the County, who said that focusing on out-of-town arrests are ignoring what's going on locally. I wonder if you would react to that. Yeah, and listen, I agree. I, I, think, I think we're not going to focus on out-of-town arrests. I think what happened is, as Michael said, uh, you had 800 to 1,000 peaceful protesters who respected uh, the life of, of George Floyd and who didn't uh, fall into the same uh, pattern that those who, who like, like Michael said, who, who murdered him did, which is a pattern of hate and violence. Um, and so I was very proud of, of, of the Miamians who acted most of the day, uh, obviously at, at night, Unfortunately, there were a very small group uh, who had a specific, it seemed like a specific mission to destroy property, to vandalize. And we, are, uh, you know, we unfortunately had to take some, some measures uh, to prevent that from happening. Yeah. 
Uh, Mayor Francis Suarez, it's so good to speak with you. And Glenna is going to be at your 2 o'clock news conference with Chief Kalina. Right. And we will report on what you are doing and saying this evening on Local 10 News. Thanks very Thanks much. So much. Thank you. So much more to come. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We thank you for spending this hour with us. And I would like to remind you of something Martin Luther King once said. It is of the moment. We should remember the arc of moral history is long and it bends towards justice. We will continue to be following the Miami protest, the national protest, a lot to handle today. We invite you to stay tuned to Local 10 News all day, as you have been doing. We are also online 24-7, and we hope you'll stay with us. Stay informed, get involved. Have a beautiful Sunday. Thanks again.